Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Once again, David is in trouble. He is suffering. When we look at his life, almost without exception, there are years, many years of trials, hardships, persecution. And I can hear my mother saying to me, if you're constantly having trouble, I mean, some of the times it may not be you, but if you're constantly having problems, you are probably to blame. Well, in David's case, this wasn't the situation. You see, it's not natural for someone always to be having problems. And that's true. This is not natural. This is supernatural. David is suffering because he is a man committed to the things of God. We all remember the verse that says that David is a man after God's own heart. What does that mean? Heart synonymous with, with thoughts. David was thinking according to the thoughts of God. Let me ask you a question. Are you? If you want to experience God's presence in your life, if you want to know his saving grace, not just from an eternal standpoint, but from a daily standpoint, then walk in truth. Be one who allows the grace of God to lead him, to guide him. And as we've said so many times, God's grace leads into his will. Well, take out your Bible and let's press on in our study of the book of Psalms. We're now ready for Psalm 57. And again, we see David in persecution, suffering. But David, in this prayer, it's much different. We see wisdom of a different variety. Now, it's still wisdom from God, but we're seeing that David here reveals to us different principles of the wisdom of God that we need to implement in our life, that we need to practice so that we experience that same deliverance, that same presence and power of God in our life so that God's will will be done through us. Look at what it says in Psalm 57 and verse 1. Again, an inscription. That, that first verse, which many English Bibles, they set apart. They put in a different typeface. They ought not. This is incorrect. It's part of Scripture. And it says once again to that choir director, that, that music director, the one who's leading the worship. And then we have two words. Now, the two words are a plea. It literally means do not allow corruption or destruction. 
David is not wanting to become a recipient of the purposes, of the plans, of the desires of the enemy. So this is known by the term, do not allow to be destroyed. David doesn't want to see the, the fulfillment of the enemy's desires, but he's committed to God's desires. And it says, by David, and once again we have that same mechtam. And remember, that is a word that's related to gold, but not just any gold, precious gold of the finest variety. And what this psalm is telling us is this. Here is wisdom, truth, biblical principles that are more valuable to one than the very best gold. In other words, there is great counsel in this psalm. And it tells us the context for understanding these words. In other words, what was going on in David's life when, when he wrote these things down, it says, when he fled from before Shaul in the cave. Now, this is a reference, and you should read this. I would strongly encourage you to read 1 Samuel chapter 24. There, David is on the run. Shaul is pursuing him with an army. He goes to a spot that he knows well, En Gedi. And he goes into one of the caves, hiding out. And lo and behold, King Shoal, in order to relieve himself, he likewise goes into that same cave. And here's what's so marvelous. David, he could have killed Shoal. He was in, that is King Saul, in a most vulnerable position. Others were looking at David and saying, yes, God has delivered your enemy into your hands. But David, understanding that it's still Shaul is the Lord's anointed in that role, he would not stretch out his hands. David did not want to take deliverance by his own actions, but he wanted God to do it. He was a humble man, a trusting man and a man that demonstrated respect, respect to authority. So it's with this in mind that David wrote down these words. He says, and remember, he is being hunted. And he says, Chaneni Elohim Chaneni, which once again means, be gracious unto me, O God, be gracious. Again, David is saying, God, my utmost desire is to serve you. Extend your grace that leads me into the fulfillment of your will. For in you, he speaks about his soul, really the very essence of him, takes refuge. So David is trusting. He sees security, refuge in God not in the circumstances and the things of this world. He says, in the shadow of your wings, I have taken shelter, taken refuge. Now, we need to understand that in that verse that we're speaking about, there is an idiom. 
When he says, in the shadow of your wings, what's he speaking about? Well, the word wing, as it's translated here, it's the word kanaf, which can mean a wing like a bird or a quarter. And it's a reference to that garment that we read about in Numbers chapter 15, verses 37 through 41, where it says, on the corner, the four corners, arba kanfot, one puts a titsit. And that titsit is, is a, a reminder to the commandments of God. And therefore, when one says, I have taken uh, refuge in the shadow of your wings, it's speaking about, I find safety. I find refuge, shelter in obeying the commandments of God. Now, that's something that I would write down, that I would apply to my life daily. If you want security, safety, God's deliverance, God's help, you walk, you make the objective of your life His Word, practicing it, putting it into action. This is what David is saying. And this gives David confidence against his enemies that he doesn't have to take matters into his own hands. So he says here, In the shadow of your wings I take shelter. Unto, and this is a timing, unto destruction should pass. David knows that when he, and this is a a big principle, when I am doing the commandments of God, being led by the Spirit, when I am doing the commandments of God, I can be assured that danger will pass. And that's an important principle. It gives us confidence. It gives us insurance. We know that these things that, that may frighten other individuals, we know that they're temporary and this too shall pass. It's going to come to an end. God is going to restore. Next verse, he says, I cry. And this is a word of proclaiming, calling out. It's not crying with tears. It is not uh, yelling out in desperation. It is proclaiming. He's calling. It says, I will call to God most high. To to God who what? The God who fulfills for me. Concerning his promises unto me, he fulfills them. Literally, if we look here, it's the word gomer, which has to do with, with finishing up bringing to a conclusion. It's also related to what God will provide for his word, his promises to be fulfilled. So David, again, he has what we've talked about for two weeks, a sure expectation. Why? He's in God's will. He's praying from a standpoint of obedience. And when we are obeying God, we get confidence, we have assurance, and we can proclaim to the Most High God, knowing that God is going to fulfill, to bring about, to bring a completion to those things that he said concerning us. Next verse. He will send nothing. May he send, but it's confidence. 
he will send from heaven. And what will do? And he will save me. And then he says, this is what God's going to do, despite the fact, look at the next part, cheref, sho'afi, selah, which means the, the enemy, that's who he's speaking about, the opposition, it says, desires what? Desires uh, shame or, or contempt. The enemy wants to put shame and contempt upon David. Now, learn another principle of spirituality. What the enemy wants to do, I'm talking about the enemy, Hasatan, the devil, when there's demonic influence and that influence can come directly from demons or the influencing of others by demons to, to plague you, to, to try to get you to do what you ought not. And what happens is this. The enemy desires to get you away from God's purposes, to get you to sin. That's what they desire in order that shame will be placed upon you. Satan loves when, when people are experiencing shame, when, when they are experiencing contempt, when they are living a way that brings disgrace upon them. That's what Satan does. He leads that person that way, and then he loves to point it out. But when we are following the commandments of God, the instructions of God, the will of God, the purposes of God, what happens? God puts us in a place where we will be a vessel of his glory, that we will be an instrument of praise. And that's why it says here, look at the text, last part of the verse, where he says, God will send chesed, his chesed, his grace, and his truth. So whenever you are in a difficult situation, you know what to pray. God, send from heaven your assistance. I want you to save me, deliver me from the shame that the enemy has desired for me. Send from heaven, O oh God, what? Your grace and your truth. Now realize Unless you are in the right framework, according to the right order, the right truth, there's only one truth, but understanding that truth, you're not going to be a recipient of God's grace. Several times we see those two words together, chesed va'emet, God's grace and his truth. It's only when we're walking in truth are we going to be individuals. Where that grace, and I'm not talking about the grace that saves, but the grace that empowers, the grace that delivers, the grace that brings you to the fulfillment of God's will in your life. See, we need to grow and mature. Too often, and I was speaking with someone not too long ago about uh, worship. And the problem is, in many congregations, they, they're really not about worship. But they are about using that time that's supposed to be offered up to God by God's people. Using it as a platform for reaching out, for evangelism, for, for dealing with the loss. Now, all those things are good. We should do that, but not 
as a substitute for worship. The focus of a time of worship should be God. Giving praise to him, thanksgiving, worshiping him. Not uh, trying to bring others to salvation. Here again, is it a good thing to bring others to salvation? Yes, it's a great thing, but don't confuse worship and evangelism. So we look here, and what we find in the text, look again. He says, he will send who? God. God will send his grace and his truth. We're talking now not about salvation in the sense of being forgiven of sin, having a relationship established with God through that new covenant, all important, but what we're talking about is salvation in living a victorious life. And the grace of God in one aspect, it saves us, just what we normally think when we hear being saved. But that same grace continues in order to bring us to victory, living a life that overcomes the deceit, the schemes, the wiles, the, the purposes of the enemy. So it's grace and truth. Now look at the next verse where it says, My soul is in the midst of lions. Now, David, think again, where is he? He's in En Gedi. If you've been to En Gedi, in one sense it's a beautiful location with, with today three or so waterfalls in that main place by that cave that David was in. But someone can also be very vulnerable. It's open. And therefore, David, I mean, he's in this cave and if Shoal, will discover him and yell, even though David and his men could kill Shoal. All those other armies are there. David would be exposed and would be vulnerable. So David, he's there. What does he do? He begins to praise God, thank God, and say, God, lead me in your truth that I might fulfill your ways. And he says, my soul is in the midst of lions. I lay down, he says, I'm laying down in the midst of, of fire or flames of fire. For human beings, their teeth, they are spear and arrows. And their tongue is a sharp sword. So they say things that wound. They are about war. They are about destruction. And David is saying in his current condition, he's in the midst of them. This is where he is. He is in the midst of lions. And those whose teeth, teeth for an animal, that's their weapons. And he says their teeth are, are like a spear, an arrow. And then he concludes this, this section by saying, and also their, their tongues are like a sharp sword. Then he speaks. In the midst of this difficult situation, full of anxiety and pressure, the enemy's with him in this cave. 
And what does he say? He says, be exalted over the heavens, O God. Now, that's just an idiom saying, God, I exalt you totally over all things. Now, this is a wise thing to do. Sometimes people, they're confused. What should I pray? How should I pray? What should I pray for? Begin by simply exalting God. It is always right. It is always going to have a good outcome. It is going to bring a spiritual change which is positive into your life when you concentrate on exalting God. And, and you don't have to say all these words rapidly and, and all. You can say, and this is not, hear this, this is not vain reputation, reputation when we say, God, you be exalted. God, we praise you. God, you are, are glorious. And we repeat that. That's not done in vanity. That's done to express our feelings. And sometimes we struggle with the words to share Repeat those words. They are glorious. So be exalted over the heavens, O God. Over all the earth is your glory. Now, again, the glory of God is an outcome of his presence. So we want to live, we want to behave, we want to do things that brings about God's glory, his presence that manifests his glory. And what brings about his presence? Here it is. When we walk in, hear this, righteousness. When we are doing righteous things, there is an inherent relationship between righteousness and the glory of God. And therefore, he says, your, your glory, God, is over. It's superior to anything in this world. He talks about now his enemy once more. What they do, how they behave. And he says, a, a snare, literally, it's a word for a net. So it's a trap. A net they prepare for my steps. And my soul, he says here, kafaf. His soul is bent over. Now, he's saying another very important principle to us. The enemy is stalking. The enemy is hunting us down. What do we do? Well, we're just told. David says, my soul is bent over. What is that? It is a term for humility. See, if you are being hunted down by the enemy, realize that enemy is stronger than you. That enemy in and of yourself is smarter than you. He's got everything on his side. The only thing that can help you is God's assistance. So what does one need to do to bring God's assistance into his life? Humility. Now, there are many times I will not go into the specifics but but I'm doing something, and I don't know how to continue. I don't know the response I should do. And so I pause just momentarily, and I say, Oh, God, 
allow me to be humble in your presence. And when we seek to be humble, we're acknowledging he is great and we were not. We are just dirt. Dirt that the glorious God has formed and made human beings wonderfully made, but we're still dirt. All that wonder is from the hand of God. That life is from the breath of God. So we're dirt. And when we come acknowledging, God, you're great, and we humble ourselves, it brings about God's provision. Learn this simple principle. Humility, I receive God's provision in order that I might find deliverance for the purpose of carrying out his will. Not going back to what I want, what pleases me, what I think I have coming to me. This is not what we're talking about. So he says, a, a net, which is a trap, they prepare for my steps. My soul is bent over. It says, they dig, unusual word for dig, they dig a hole before me. Now, they dig a hole, and the hole here is the word, shicha, which is a pit. And there is, and I won't go into it, there is a relationship between this pit and destruction. See, Satan delights in our destruction. That which is, is corruptible, that is Satan's work. That which is eternal, immortal, that which is, is not corruptible, that is God at work. So we need to see what David is saying here. They dig before me a, a pit. But he says, they are going to be the ones that have fallen into its midst. Selah. Selah, most scholars see it as a word of, of exclamation, putting an emphasis on it. They do things, but it comes back against them. They are, are wanting to capture David for his destruction, and what they're doing is really acting for their own destruction. That's why it's so important that we do the right thing. Do you pray daily, God, open my eyes, give me insight. I recognize my great limitations. I know that I have spiritual flaws. I know that I'm not up in and of myself to the task that you have for me. So God, I'm praying to you now that you act, that you assist, that you move, that you do something in order that I can fulfill your will. So he's saying here, they are going to fall into the midst of it. Not him. Why? Look, if you would, to verse, verse 8, at least in the Hebrew text. He says, Nechon libi Elohim, Nechon libi. Nechon, it can mean establish. It's a right heart. That word nechon, if you say it in modern Hebrew, it means that which is correct. So my heart is correct. You know how we need to understand that? My heart has been corrected. If you have a correct heart, it's because God's corrected it. Remember heart, 
thinking. So David is saying, oh God, I'm thinking right. My heart has been established. And he says, what does a heart that has been established that corrects does? What does a heart that's right, what does it do? Well, this is what bothers me. You'll ask a question and people do this. Hmm. And they start guessing. God's never answered properly by our guessing. Don't guess. When, when a Bible teacher asks a question, what he's, he's doing is provoking you to read on or to remember what you have read. Now, in this case, it's reading on a little bit. The answer is in the last part of the verse. He says, my heart is correct, O God, my heart is correct. So what does he do? He says, I will sing, and this is, I will praise. So when a heart's correct, what do we want to do? Praise God. Sing to him, worship him, in other words. When my heart's not corrected, I'm not that interested in worshiping God. Why? When my heart's correct, God's the focus. When my heart's incorrect, I'm the focus. So if you're not interested in worship, you've got a heart problem. Worship is something that is pleasing to one who has a corrected heart, a heart that's been established by God. And then he speaks and he says, rise up, literally, my, my honor, my glory, Tvodi. But most scholars see this as referring to the, the essence of the person, his soul, in other words. So David says, I want to be woken up. I want to rise up. I want to be alert. And what he's speaking about, in that which is going to be used by God to manifest glory. So David is saying, my glory, but he means my acts that brings glory and honor to God. He goes on in this same verse and says, wake up. And it's a term of being sensitive to things. And notice he says, wake up, old harp and violin. And I will, will rise up when shachar. What's that? In the earliest part of the morning. What David is teaching us is this. We've already seen a right heart is a worshipful heart. David wants the very essence of his to rise up. He wants to be someone who is ready, who is alert, who is awake. And he wants to praise God. When? The priority. In the morning. At first. What's important to us? We do first. I have something important to do. You get up and you do it. So this is what David is saying. Worship is important. David wants a change. A change where the, the harp and the violin are being used early in the morning to worship God. Next verse. He says, I will give thanks. All of this within the context of worship. I will give thanks among the people. Adonai. Now, this means my Lord, but here's something. 
It's very important because this word that's oftentimes Adonai, many times we use the word Hashem, it's not, in this case, those four-letter word Yudhei Vavhe. This is the word Adonai spelled out. And here's what's important. When we speak about that Yudhei Vavhe, what's normally translated as the Lord, it's speaking about the God who transcends all things, the God who is great without limitations, without any type of restrictions, God who is forever God. Nothing will change him. But this is a word that relates to God being manifested, being related to as the master. That we need to recognize his authority in all things. So David says, I will give thanks to you among the people, my master. I will praise you among the nations. For great unto the heavens is your grace. And unto, this is another word for heavens, unto the heavens is your truth. Now again, if you missed it, you see once more, we saw it earlier on in the fourth verse in the Hebrew, perhaps at verse 3 in your Bible, and we see it again in our current verse, this putting together of his grace, chasdo, and his truth. These two things go together. I am going to be led by grace when I'm walking in truth. When I'm walking in truth, I'm going to be a recipient of God's grace. And that is going to move me in a way that experiencing that movement is going to cause me to experience deliverance, being set free to accomplish God's purposes, His objective, in order that my life is used to worship God. Now, for me, one of the, the marvelous times of David's life, something that, that speaks to me, is what David did in this context, in this cave. Because I can assure you, I would have interpreted wrongly. I would have saw, just like so many other people have said, here comes Shaul, my enemy, this one that God's rejected. He's no longer king in God's eyes. He's no longer king in my eyes. Let me at him. It would have been easy. What did David do? He took that knife that he had. He was equipped. And remember, he cut off the titsit from, from one of Shaul's corners. And this shows, Saul, you're not really interested in the commandments of God. And that's why when, when David spoke to him, and he says, look, Saul, look what I have in my hand. And he looked down on that talit katan, the uh, titsit, the arba confot, and he realized, David, he could have killed me. But this is not what David wanted to do. And Saul, momentarily, he knew David's the righteous one. I'm unrighteous. He's not a threat to me. He could have killed me if he wanted to. He's not my enemy. And she'll acknowledge that. But only for a season. Soon thereafter, just that momentary pause, and Saul was back again pursuing David. But didn't matter. God's faithful at all times. So great 
unto the heavens is his grace. And unto the heavens is your truth. Last verse. We've already really encountered where he says, Be exalted over the heavens, O God. And we should take that same word again. It doesn't repeat, but the intent is the same. Be exalted over all the earth, your glory. So what we see here is that God, God is great. God is wonderful. God is faithful. And God loves those who are in a covenantal relationship with him. Now, he loves everyone, but they're not going to receive that love. They're not going to taste it, experience it outside of a covenant. That love is not going to impact their life, only those within a covenant. And when you enter into that covenant, you are saying, God, I am your servant. You are my master. I am committed to your purposes, your objectives. And I'm going to walk in that direction, your direction, according to what your grace leads and what your truth declares. And when we do this, we're going to find that although there's enemies out there and we can experience persecution and hardships, let me tell you, the joy, that contentment, and even though David suffered a lot, he had a lot of joy, a lot of satisfaction. David was an individual that led a life to its fullest. And seeing how God had delivered him, what a testimony David had. This is what we're reading tonight in this psalm. A testimony from David concerning God's faithfulness. Not to be one that takes everything into your own hands and see it according to your lenses of life, but to trust God and to be led by his grace and his truth. When you are, life will be exciting. Life will be an example to others. And life will be about experiencing the fulfillment of God's will. And there is nothing better than that. Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.